Hakimi for Jaden Sancho. Early cross, there's Paco Alcacer. Deflection goes Pulisic's way. Pulisic, Alcacer! And the lead is grabbed back by Borussia Dortmund through Paco Alcacer. 2-1. Witzel battling away here for Dortmund. Witzel, Mario Goethe, Pulisic is there! And that is the game put to bed for Borussia Dortmund by Christian Pulisic. Hello and welcome to episode 271 of The Yellow Wallpot. My name is Stefan Butzko, host of this episode, and I'm joined by Konstantin Eckner once again. Hello, Konstantin. It's nice to have you on again. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm fine. Uh, how are you doing? Very well. Um, are you in, in disarray? Are you panicked about German football in general because none of the uh, German teams made it to the Champions League quarterfinal Bayern Munich uh, in a very embarrassing way uh, as we both just determined uh, crash out of the Champions League creating not more than 0.32 expected goals at home against Liverpool in a all-deciding Champions League game? I'm not that concerned about a German football, actually. Um, be, be, yeah, because you have to look at all the um, teams that got knocked out um, during the, the last round of 16. Uh, you know, it, in particular, and and I mean Schalke, uh, they play a pretty bad season, and then they have to go up against uh, Manchester City. So I mean, it was expected to go really badly for them. Um, and and that's sometimes that's maybe sometimes an issue of the German of German football is that uh, you got a few dominating teams and then you got a, a bunch of uh, teams that go up and down all the time and uh, it's like a consistent feature of, of uh, German teams uh, on the international stage that uh, some of them qualified one season because they have a great they play a great season they they finish fourth or so they qualify for Champions League or Europa League and the next season they, they are utter shit and uh, you know they they <laughs> they just they got demolished uh, they get demolished uh, by uh, anyone and everyone so um and that's that's what happened to to Schalke because they they were um, worn up last year and, and this year they uh, battle relegation, so um, that's that's what's going on. It has happened so so many times before, um, where you know teams like Hertha or so they played a you know so, somewhat of a of a great season, finished fifth or sixth, uh, qualified for the Europa League, and then they they battle relegation next season because there's no consistency, um, and these these teams go up and down all the time. Um, yeah, in that in and that it, regard, maybe it's a positive that even three teams made it to the round of sixteen. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I mean, and Hoffenheim, they didn't do that well, but um, I mean, they played a few or had a few decent performances uh, in the, uh, during the group stage, so it wasn't that bad. Um, and as far as uh, Dortmund and Bayern go, um, I mean, Dortmund, yeah, they they had a pretty bad um, or. One, at least one bad match against uh, Tottenham at, at Wembley, um, especially the last 15 minutes ago we discussed it uh, on one of the previous episodes. Um, and and as, as for Bayern, yeah, well, I mean they they, they are going through trans, uh, transition period right now. Um, a few years ago, they, they played this somewhat aggressive, intense style on the on the Heinkes. 
and then they played a, a dominate or dominant style under under Guardiola, and right now they play some of those, uh, passive, um, passive, and, and and partly dominating style under, under Kovac, and, and it really hurt them against uh, um, Liverpool because they they had the ball and they secured the ball a lot of times with like five six players p- being deep against uh, the first pressing line of Liverpool, but. And they, they couldn't do anything once they passed uh, Liverpool's pressing or the, uh, the first line of pressing. And um, so there wasn't really support for Lewandowski and Rames and, and, and the four or five attacking players. And it really didn't do them any favors uh, going through a match because they, then they made a, made a mistake or they, like Rafinha and, and uh, Neuer made it committed two crucial errors within like two or three seconds and that was the, uh, the go-ahead goal for Liverpool and a, a really important away goal um, that set Bayern up to you know come from behind and, and they had they were forced to score at least uh, twice uh, but they didn't change anything and like Kovac didn't really react to it um, until it was or up up to the point when it was too late because he uh, he had to make a few changes during halftime but he didn't um, so, well, it, it was, it is, um, but, um, there are particular reasons for these teams to go out and it's not like one major reason that like German football is in the gutter and will never recover from it again. Um, that's not what, what's going on because just, no, look, I, I, yeah. I just don't see it that way either. I mean, Bayern Munich will probably be strong again. They will at least invest a lot of money, I assume. Uh, during the next transfer period and Dortmund have already announced uh, last summer that they will so um, yeah um, I I think the Dortmund project if you want to call it that way is certainly not over and uh, they were not all that bad against Tottenham yes it was a little bit embarrassing for them not to score a single goal over two legs and uh, lose 4-0 on aggregate that's nothing to take pride in but um you know, they were not completely outplayed, like, say, Schalke against Manchester City. And, um, yeah. Uh, and then, and then even Schalke, Schalke they, they had a decent first leg. Uh, yeah. remember, I mean, yeah, they lost, but... Uh, they they uh, could free, have free won to, this. Yeah, they could have won, and it was against Manchester City, okay, um, the Premier League leaders. So... Not that, not that bad, actually. Um, that they just. But we always know that that Pep doesn't uh, doesn't do so well on the road in the Champions yes, League. Yes, that's that's right. Uh, that's like a Pep thing. I don't know why. Uh, or, or there are several reasons why that is. But that would uh, that is another discussion for another day. Um, but also, I mean, uh, when you look at German football, you get you got Bayern and Dortmund, and I think uh, RB Leipzig will be the deferred um, force. Um, to be working. Yeah, especially with Nagelsmann coming in, I, I yes, think they, yes, they will yes. uh, be more competitive in Europe because Nagelsmann brings an approach, I think, that can have some success. I think Hoffenheim fed fairly well considering, you know, the quality they have in their squad. Yes. And, so, and you give Leipzig if, uh, at least another year or so because they have to get used to this schedule when, when you play internationally. Uh, it's a bit different to manage your squad. I mean, Dortmund, Bayern, uh, even like Leverkusen or Schalke, they are somewhat, they, they got used to it, uh, managing the schedule, but Leipzig is fairly new to the game when it comes to international football. Um, so, you know, this year and, and last year was like tryout phase. Now 
Nagelsmann coming in. Most players are staying. Like Yusuf Paulsen just extended his contract, for instance. Maybe Timo Werner is leaving, but but still, um, they have the money and the resources to to get new players and to invest somewhat heavily. Um, so I, I think um, you you will see Leipzig. You know, making some waves next season. Then going forward, they will do a lot more, um, and they will be, I guess, the third, uh, the third force uh, coming out of Germany. And that's what we what was lacking the last few years is that, like, you got maybe Bayern, you got Dortmund at times, but not always. I mean, Dortmund had a few, you know, average years, um, the last club year and, and like the, the second Tuchel year and so and so on and. Um, but there wasn't really a third force. Sometimes it was Leverkusen, then it was Schalke, then it was maybe Werder Bremen or who else, you know. Um, so is that that's actually it's 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 a plus for John for John football that there might be a third club uh, who, who establishes itself uh, on the international stage long term, uh, and that's important. You know, long term developments are important. Like one bad season doesn't change that much. Uh, in, the, in the bigger picture, and that's like when you look at Bayern. Of course, they will they will sign a, f- a few new players, but that was that was their plan all along. They like they kept their money last summer. They didn't invest anything. They just signed Goretzka on, on a freak on a free um, <laughs> on a freak <laughs> on a freak. Yeah, but on a, on a free, yes, um, but they they kept or saved money, uh, kept the kept their bank account together, and now they will in, invest next summer. Uh, and you know, buy a few new attacking players, maybe whatever, a new, new midfielder or so. Um, and I mean, they have to, they have the resources to at least be like the number five, number six in in Europe. Um, and they can they can still like you know in two years or so with the with the right coach and and some <laughs> they can. They little asterisk, I feel, which is not a bad thing. Yes, from yes, the Dortmund but, perspective. Yeah, but but I, I mean, I, I think I think it is. It became clear, or has become clear uh, throughout the season that that like Kovac is a, let's say, a decent, a promising coach, but it's not someone who can like push a Bayern to the heights they w- want to reach. Uh, meaning like Champions League semi-finals or, or even final. That's like it's not Kovac is not the right guy to do that. He's, I think he is somewhat someone who is. Whose right place is like, let's say, at at a number four team like Gladbach or Leipzig or uh, maybe Schalke or Leverkusen? You know, that's like where Kovac should be at this point in his career, and not at Bayern. Like this, Bayern is was was a step too far for him coming from Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, and maybe Frankfurt uh, will be the fifth team next year to play in the Champions League for Germany because they might win the Euro League. Who knows? I mean, they're. uh on red hot form right now and uh, as you, we speak you, uh, yeah I, I would just say you know that we we you know published the uh, episode after they played internationale <laughs> i know but right now they're one up so um really i uh, did check really Let yeah, me, yeah. Oh. you you've scored a beautiful lob and uh, oh man oh all right all right all right i see and, so internationale yes a big chance so uh, internationale needs two goals oh yeah Ah, interesting. And uh, like there was okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, let's go ahead. Uh, Any anyway. So um, <laughs> uh, be, be, before we before we go ahead, obviously a shout out to uh, Nessa nineteen oh nine who uh, uh, <laughs> wrote a tweet in I think two thousand seventeen or so, and that gets retweeted like every now and then, every time Bayern go out, and that's uh, when you 
left Dortmund to win the Champions League and the only Champions League final you ever reached was, was with Dortmund and with pictures of Lewandowski and Hummels. So that's uh, maximum shade. And uh, my former colleague uh, Mark Lovell wrote on Twitter that Lewandowski has not scored in the last seven Champions League knockout games. I think that's quite a stat I was not aware of. So... um Something to think about. Uh, meanwhile, um, Bayern Munich also pipped Dortmund in the Bundesliga, uh, now in first place because, um, VfL Wolfsburg were too irritated, um, by the, uh, news that Hummels, Boateng and Müller are no longer playing for the national team because Volkswagen, obviously the new general sponsor of the German national team, they just had the rollout, I guess, and, and the new video with, with all these, uh, faces that then never play again and that i guess is a, is a huge knock for volkswagen so um konstantin do you think that bayern are now the the 100 favorites for the bundesliga title now that they're in first place or do you think there's still a very good chance for dortmund to win it oh there's still a chance for dortmund to win it i guess i mean we, we will see what happens with bayern's uh state of mind after they they lost uh, to Liverpool and like the because for Bayern of course the German Championship is somewhat of a um, might be priority but I like think a side product you say <laughs> not really but they have won it so often that um, in the, especially in the last few years like they, they won it all the time so I mean winning the uh, German Champions League uh, Championship is like given to them a little bit but also if it doesn't happen if they are runner up but they like go to the Champions League final. Like there's still still a uh, like a picture a picture perfect season for them. Um, so um, I guess that because the biggest goal was to really go deep, make a deep run in Champions League knockout stage, and that didn't happen. They got you know knocked out of the first stage of the knockout uh, or the, the, the first. Yeah, BVB leg. Atlanta asks on on Twitter: um, Are you more or less hopeful for Dortmund's chances to win the league after uh, watching Bayern get thumped by Liverpool or a non-factor? Because I I, I, I just think that um, you know getting getting knocked out by Liverpool might start a process of questioning themselves a little bit because not only because of the fact that they got knocked out but because of the uh, how they got knocked out i get the, i mean the, the, they played at home they didn't really have a chance to score a second goal after they scored one um they were really well, hesitant they didn't score it was an own goal <laughs> yeah but Lewandowski would have scored it anyway eh, you never know yeah, you know, know with Lewandowski these days, but that is still, you know, it still. Um, so they, they really ha didn't have a chance to score a second goal at home, trailing against Liverpool. They, they were really hesitant. They, they were not confident in themselves. So that might start questioning. Us. And also afterwards, uh, listening to the post-game interviews, uh, especially by, by Lewandowski. Lewandowski, you know, more or less straightforward, criticized... Um, Kovac's tactical approach. Uh, you know, he, he said that it was too defensive or that, 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 that the team was too defensive-minded. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. That, that tells you a lot about uh, chemistry and locker room dynamics and so on. And, and also, I mean, it is somewhat of a psychological... Uh, it might have a psychological effect on them um, being beaten by Liverpool at home. 3-1. That's... That, that can hurt them somewhat. The only problem is that, like most uh, opponents in Bundesliga, are just 
clueless and don't have uh, the, the weapons and don't have the tools to really hurt Bion. Even at this point, even if they are like uh, mentally hurt at, 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 to some extent. Still, um, <laughs> so, so your answer is yes, but a non-factor. <laughs> it's yes, it's yes, but no. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I think I, I said it actually in the, in the last episode that I uh, think that it's probably better for Dortmund if Bayern go out because of uh, all the aftermath and and maybe there's a bit of a I I don't know players get frustrated i mean Lewandowski, for example now is 30 years old and he certainly wants to win the champions league and uh you know at this rate he probably would never will um so at least not with Bayern, maybe yeah not with and, Bayern, and, and, yeah. And, and, and yeah and and they they don't want uh, they don't want to let him go to you know Real Madrid also um or they didn't in the past and now maybe the the, the door has closed uh to get a to get a gig at, at Madrid also um but but also because in uh, in Munich they are really they have a talent to dismantle themselves a little bit or dismantle each other. Um, really, that's that's so, so, somewhat you know in Munich there's a special uh, very unique dynamic um, when when you when you look at what's going on um, within the club but also around the club and in, in, in the city um, and and all these you know former professionals. Uh, who, who are still, you know, circling around Bayern Munich, and they are they are working in in Munich because the, the TV stations like Sky Germany is, is located in Munich, for instance. Um, and so it's really interesting to see what's what's happening now because, like, now after Bayern went out against Liverpool, now they are coming all crawling. The vultures are circling over. Yes, Munich, yes, yes. And we will see what happens. And then, then you know, there will be a few side battles and there will maybe a, a few locker room disputes and what what does Uli Hoeneß, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, what are, what are they, what is the board uh, going to say? Um, and what are, you know, these former professionals, what is Oliver Kahn playing? Is he playing a role already because he will be involved with the club? Uh, going forward and what's what's with the others you know will they criticize the club and then uh, the club will fire back and so on and so on but that's that's why they were called fc hollywood hollywood back in the day uh, back in late 90s because like that's what's going on in munich maybe will happen maybe not be, but but what you really should consider is that uh niko kovac is the head coach it's not a strong personality he, he might be one but he's like right now, he doesn't have the standing uh, in, in, in the public to, uh, to really be a strong personality but the yellow wallpot vultures are already circling, and and you're right. You know, a lot of things will change in like the medium term future for Bayern, and I think there was going to be a power struggle or so, uh, because Rummenigge and Hoeneß will not be there forever, and so there are a lot of question marks and a lot of people that probably want to get in a coveted position. So um. Yeah, maybe maybe this will also uh, play out uh, at the same time. So we'll, we'll we'll see. But at the same time, I also don't want to spend the entire time talking about Bayern. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Why not? Like we we just rename we label the the entire show. It's like the the wet and blue right. podcast. Also. Right, right. Um, but Dortmund did beat fourth Bischutgart three to one on uh, Saturday, and it it was quite. The um, edge on your seat game because uh, Dortmund looked very uh, dominant, obviously, against Stuttgart, who are uh, on 16th place. 
on these same side on the same side they just, uh, just couldn't create chances or at least big scoring chances until uh, Gonzalo Castro was so nice to um, give away a penalty. But obviously Dortmund, what did uh, he could, do? yeah. But obviously uh, Dortmund could not uh, hold on just then and uh, offered Gonzalo Castro to whip a free kick into their box and. Obviously, I almost want to say uh, Abdul Diallo was caught napping. I don't know why Dortmund's set-piece defending is so bad and why it's always him who is caught completely switched off. Um, but uh, so it happened that Schuttgart equalized and then Dortmund, uh, with the help of um, Christian Pulisic and Paco Alcasa, um, scored in the last five minutes of the game, stoppage time. But um, yeah, I mean, very important win, obviously. But uh, I really thought that w when uh, Dortmund finally took the lead, there was going to be a little bit um, more relaxed and not such a sweaty win as, as it was then on, on Saturday. Um, Constantine, Lucien Favre once again stuck to the 4-1-4-1 system with uh, Reus and, and Godson double eight and Alcázar up front, Sancho and Guerrero on the, on the wings. And Witzel the lone uh, defensive midfielder. I personally think um, the the lineup on on paper reads really well. However, um, Dortmund just really struggled to to create any penetration against such deep setting teams like Stuttgart. Um, do you have any explanation why, despite the uh, switch from Favre, and do you think it it was positive of him to to hold on to that, or would you have liked Favre to do something entirely else again? No, 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 it's all right uh, to stick to the somewhat more attacking um, form or attacking-minded formation where uh, Götze and, and Royce in attacking midfield and only one holding midfielder, especially against Stuttgart because they were looking at Stuttgart's formation. Um, they had a three-man midfield, but Askasi, Barn, Castro, they didn't do much in terms of, of uh, attacking um, and there was only Steven Subar, so that wasn't really the threat for Axel Witzel to uh, to be caught in a in a um, outnumbered situation, which, which which didn't really happen that often. Um, so I mean, what Stuttgart tried to do was really playing a playing a deep back five, um, three three man midfield, and then two um, really fast and uh, counter attacking focused uh, striker and Alexander Esfine and and, and Gonzalez. Um, so did you? I mean, he uh, Weinstein team dropped Gomez. Uh, to yeah, he did the same against Bayern Munich, so that yes. was to be expected. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Because he just wanted to have two fast-paced um, forwards. I mean, he, he could have played a five-four-one, which he did in in, in the uh, match before when they when they beat um, Hannover, but he switched to two-man um, attack. Gonzalo uh, and Gonzalo and Esvain. Um, and yeah, it was really up to them to, you know, have, have a few one-on-one -on -one situations. And I mean, there was one situation where, where, where Gonzalez, uh, had the chance to score a goal, uh, the first goal actually. <laughs> so, I mean, you never know, you never know. It's, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm thinking to the, uh, Dortmund Twitter account saying that uh, I think Hakimi and Buki were there to clear it and they were nowhere near to clear anything. No, 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 that was, there's no chat. Like, like, if, if you he know, just missed, yeah, <laughs> he, just, all he, just, he just missed, but, but only by, by a really, really, um, um, small margin. So whatever. Um, 
no, but but other than that, um, I mean, it's it's hard to play against these teams. It's really hard, and you can have like five, six talented attacking players uh, rooming around there between the lines. But it's still hard to to break these uh, teams down, especially when you when you are as disciplined as Stuttgart was uh, for like seventy minutes or so. Um, so I mean, not really critique towards um, Dortmund at this. You know, when when you when you watch. Uh, when you watch the match and when you look back, um, just you know have to be patient and have to rate. And sometimes you score earlier, and then you know it goes from there, and uh, you can you can be more confident that maybe um, the the opponent has to open up a little bit. But in this case, it didn't really happen, and it's just you have to be patient and wait for them to make a few mistakes. That's also, by the way, what Bayern does a lot of times. You know, when Bayern plays against uh, its teams and they defend or sit as deeply as Stuttgart did, um, then you know, they have to wait and, and they have to wait for something like Castro making a mistake or so, you know, committing an, an error. Um, and when that happened, then you have to you pick up the chance and then just score the first goal, um, which Dortmund did, um, you know, or, or scored the penalty, uh, which is which is a plus, in my opinion, because... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it was a big moment for him. I mean, he stood there for two minutes. It was super rainy and stormy. So yeah, and and also like looking back at the, at the weeks prior, um, I mean, he could have missed. You know, like Dortmund was in the in a state of mind where he could have missed because it was going south or it had been going uh, down south for a while. So um, that was there was a plus and uh, that he scored. And that they conceded one that the Kempf goal after um, what was a free kick close to the um, penalty area. Um, it wasn't yes, I mean Diallo looked a little bit out of place. Problem is that um, he just didn't move. He, he yeah, was but in why, why, one place. Yeah, why did he didn't he move? Um, he didn't move because um, they played. They didn't play man marking. They played zonal marking. So it meant he 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 marked his uh, zone. Problem is that if you, if you play zonal marking in, in uh, uh, set pieces, um, your defenders are always static because they they mark. They stand right in the zone they have to mark, and the attackers are coming at them or running at them. You know they have a, have a speed advantage. Uh, which, which in that case, what, what, uh, what's really beat um, um, Diallo because he was standing here, he was marking his space, but he had no chance to to keep up with someone who's running at him or overtaking him. So that's why he looked like uh, I don't know uh, someone who's who's waiting for the bus. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good explanation. I'm I don't I don't know I. I... <laughs> I feel like it's an eternal argument whether zonal or man marking is better or a hybrid form. I think it, it is. Dortmund plays, uh, by the way, Dortmund plays a hybrid form. Actually, they, they uh, at, at the at the near post they often play man marking, but at, at at the back post they play like zonal marking. It was when you look back, especially the uh, when you look back and and watch the Kempf goal, that they played zonal marking. Uh, you know, close close to the spot where the set piece was, but they played but behind them. Uh, behind the penalty spot, basically, they played zonal marking, and the yellow was standing there. Like, well, in, in in any case, calling it marking these days when it comes to Dortmund's set piece defending is a bit of a stretch, I would say. The intention is to mark. Yeah, <laughs> that's at least the plan. Now, um, we have a question from at Aaron Meyer three one seven, and uh, he asks a very cheeky question, Konstantin. Who's more important to Dortmund at the current moment? Is it Sancho or Götze? 
Uh, good. It's more important right now. So I mean, Sancho is someone who can can create chances. He's just great at. Is obviously great in these one-on-one situations. You're know, coming from from the right side, but Götze is uh, basically the, the what, what's often called the connecting player, um, connecting uh, defense and offense, and um, putting the pieces together, and you know, being being basically everywhere. Um, so yeah, I think I think Götze is more important, and especially for the build-up because he's he's the go-to guy for for uh, the Götze guy. <laughs> the, 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 oh Jesus! Um, he's, the, he's the go-to guy for for like Akanji and Diallo when they are building up from the back. Um, so yeah, you. I mean, Sancho is someone who, who then gets involved after someone like like uh, Götze picks up the ball between the lines and then uh, basically off, uh, starts the transitioning phase into the into the really attacking phase, and then Sancho may, might get involved. Uh, but before that, uh, he's, he's standing close to the touchline and is basically waiting. Maybe he gets a few long line balls by, you know, Wolf or someone else. Uh, but he's not like the, the creating player. He's not the, the one who's creating something. That's Götze. So Götze is, is, is the most important, or is more important than Sancho is basically the most important player in terms of attacking. Um, yeah, right now I I think he's is probably the best player overall for for Dortmund because um, sure why not? Just, just I've, I mean, the the Stuttgart game is a really good example of of what makes him strong. He also already showed it against Tottenham, as he just explained, him making all the connections. And what I really like is that he has now the the awareness of of the let's say runs that his uh, colleagues make going forward um and he always finds that pass you know it's either the the you know the pre-assist or the, the assist of of Götze and uh, you know he does not take a long time to execute uh you know the the place with you know his, I, I guess, immaculate technique. I've I've seen a couple of conversations on on Twitter whether um Götze's technique or or Sancho's technique is better. I think when it when it comes to um, dribbling, uh, Sancho's is probably better because uh, he is better at shifting the weight and doing shimmies and and you know putting your opponent on the wrong foot so you can like run behind him or so. But when it comes to you know the first and second touch. I think Götze is in a in a world of his own right now, and that's just uh, really great to see. Um, I'm I'm certainly having a lot of fun, and uh, his his balls over the top. Um, you know, I think Paco Alcázar received another one against Stuttgart. Uh, I, I really something to to watch, and I think when we look ahead at the Hertha game, it comes in handy that Lucien Favre has put Mario Götze, you know, into the number eight position in a couple. Of, uh, last games because uh, without Axel Witzel, um, Axel Witzel, you need to um, yeah find a connection somehow, and if it's Weigel or so, you at least have already a, a working part in in that system that's a little bit deeper. So you actually have a connection between um, midfield or, or between attack on, and defense. I don't know, Constantine, how many times we were sitting here talking about. Borussia Dortmund having a massive gap between, you know, attack and defense for several seasons. And uh, if Götze can, you know, fill that hole, so to speak, then, uh, yeah, all the better. Um, I'm currently really happy with the way he plays. And I think it's very smart of Lucien Favre to 
have a system where Marco Royce and Götze together play as number eight or number ten, however you want to see it. Would you rather describe it as a double ten or a double eight? <laughs> uh, it's an it's an eight ten. It's the old Dutch style formation, which means that you got uh, basically a six, an eight, and a ten, and and Götze is the eight. Um, uh, and also, uh, that's the old argument about uh, that Götze is not the next Messi, which you know, remember. 2014, the you know uh, Joachim Löw is uh, telling him that he should show the world that he's better than Messi or something. Um, no, it's it's that he's basically the the German version or the light version or something of Andres Iniesta, uh, not Lionel Messi, and that's what he's showing right now. Uh, that's why that's why my, my argument was always uh, that he should play in center midfield, basically um, if you you know as a, as a number eight or something, or even as a as a Attacking number six or something like like uh, Thiago uh, at Bayern, you know, is playing next to Ravi Martinez. Um, that's basically the Götze's position, like these uh, moving up and down the field, moving up and down the field, being always open, always available, always there, always creating something, always having all the all the, uh, the puzzle, uh, all the pieces of the puzzle, in, uh, you know, in front of him. And, and knowing what to do because he's he has better understanding of situations than almost any player in the game. Konstantin, I wonder if um, we will talk about Favre putting Götze on the 8 in the same context as we are talking about uh, Favre putting Marco Reus on the 10 position because that sort of turned Dortmund's season really around and the uh, whole attacking unit um, after. I, I think there was a Frankfurt game or so or the Nürnberg game, I don't even remember, but pretty early in the season, um, you know, but a couple of games in before Favre realized that You know, it doesn't make sense to put Royce on the wing or wherever, but in the number 10 position, this is when uh, everything really took off. And now I, I really do wonder if, if we can say the same about Götze put in the number eight spot, because yes, um, he has done pretty well, I want to say, as a false nine, but um, I, I think he's of way more value uh, as as a number eight right now. So um Yeah, yeah, obviously. But but, but with, with Marco Royce, I mean, you have to you have to remember that Royce always like in in his career he was always like so sometimes number ten, sometimes a, a winger, sometimes even number nine. So it was always like switching between these positions. So it wasn't like something revolutionary that uh, Favre now decided to put Marco Royce on number ten. No, I'm well, I'm not I'm not saying that it was revolutionary. No, but, but it was something. Dortmund. Yeah, well, but it wasn't like that surprising. Also, you know, you got a couple, no. of, a couple of great wingers. You don't have really a number ten because like Shinji Kagawa was out of the picture. Uh, Mario Götze was playing up front, or he wasn't playing at all. Um, so like there was only one player left to play the ten. I mean, Christian Pulisic could, can play the ten, but I don't know why. But he, last time he played the ten, uh, he was basically a minor still. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know. Um, so there wasn't really much of an option. And if, if you got Sancho and you put Lawson making some waves, and you know, then later Guerrero um, also playing pretty pretty good, uh, pretty well um, on the left side. So um, Pulisic doing his thing, being a little bit overhyped and doing nothing almost of the time actually. Um, but still, you know, being a winger. So yeah, Royce as the number 10 is like. Was was just a consequence, I think, to some extent at least. So with Mario Götze is different because, like you know, we discussed it early on in the season that that I thought like Götze should play in central midfield. You know, he should play uh, a position similar to what maybe Mahmoud Dahoud can play. Um, 
but Fafford decided to let him play up front. Um, of course, also because like uh, Phillips struggled, um, and Paco Alcázar was you know just about to be signed, so um, and had to uh, needed time, and I think still needs some time, um, t- uh, especially fitness wise. But uh, he has to play right now. Um, but but uh, Götze, you know, he was Fafa decided to play him up front, to play him as a false nine or as a number nine, not not even a false nine, just a number nine. Uh, but right now he Fafa sees that Götze is far more valuable uh, being in centre midfield. He has to he has to be there. That's his position. That's just it is his position, and going forward has to be his position. There's this no way around it. Um, and if he comes goes back to the national team, he has to play somewhere of a number eight, number ten. That's that's his no no number nine bullshit anymore. Okay, He's just already stop it. All right. Now that we just discuss all, all that, uh, Caleb O'Neill asks, do you think Favre should approach uh, a more tactical or adopt a more tactical, flexible approach? Is there value in him having a more open attitude towards things like crossing and playing in the air? Or should the focus be on perfecting the specific style he prefers? What do you think about that? I mean, he has tinkered a little bit, but I I don't want to say the uh, switch from four two, four four two three one two four one four one is is that big. But nevertheless, um, I mean, in 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 the great scheme, do you think Favre should stick to his guns, or do you think uh, he should, you know, do more to? switch things around. I don't know what he what he could do right now. I mean like uh, switching to to back free or something. I don't know why he should do that. I mean there there are certain reasons why coaches switch to back free for instance or why coaches go from a from a you know double pivot as they call it like two holding midfielders to one holding midfielder and two attacking midfielders. There are certain reasons for that and it's not like uh, coaches just do that stuff. Um, I mean some do yeah actually. But by most coaches especially as elaborate as um As Parfer, don't do stuff like that just for the sake of doing something. Um, so I mean, he, there should there has to be a specific reason why he sh- why he should change the system. And right now, I don't see one. And and um, of course, Parfer's style of football and what he prefers his team to do, and like you know, a low shot output, and you know. Uh, Keeping focus on the short shot quality and you know over pre- over uh, stopping um, uh, and, and attacking play and you know playing backwards and and building up again and um, that's like that's his specific I don't think he will change that because he hasn't changed that for years so that's just what he did at Gladbach at Hertha at, at Nice that's just what he does um, so I mean I don't think he will he will change it. I don't I don't think he should um, because the, the team had success with that style. And they should stick to the style, especially in a, in a crucial situation like right now. I mean, the, the race for the championship is still open. So that means um, if, you, if you just gamble pretty heavily right now, you could lose all unnecessarily. You have to, you know, just perfection what you do right now. Um, and, and I think that's what he's trying to do. Maybe... You know, turn a few screws here and there, but don't like do something completely different. Uh, th- that's not that's not what's leading to success. I mean, a few minor changes, yes. That's what I think that what Dortmund learned from Jurgen Klopp actually, because back in the day when Klopp, back in the day, uh, you know, a few a few years ago, back in the day it was like black and white TV. I uh, know, but uh, a few years ago when when Klopp won the championship, um, the German championship with Dortmund, what he did was he had like a certain 
specific system for specific uh, specifics were also like down to counter-pressing, pressing and so on. And he only changed minor things from time to time. You know, every two or three months he changed minor things, but he never changed the entire system from one day to another. It's not what he did. And he had success with it. And that's what Favre did for years. And that's what I, I think the, the most radical thing that Jurgen Klopp did if when, when Dortmund largely maintained a four two three one system at Dortmund for, for games For example, in the Champions League against Manchester City, or so he sometimes switched to a four-three-three when yeah, he but put Kuba from the from yes, the wing more to midfield. Yes, so yes, I know, I know. Th this this is you know the, something the, that Jurgen Klopp did, but the I, most I radical thing, the most radical thing he ever did was uh, letting <laughs> Kevin Coscard play in goal, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know that if if that was that was a you know choice though. I mean, no, it wasn't. I remember when when they played against Schalke at home. And like oh, there all, all, all these all these players were like injured and uh, what was it uh, like they played a back three with Bender and I don't know what was was Chris Löwe playing on the left side or something like that or was Schmelzer playing on the left side I don't remember exactly we have to go back and watch that match because it was I, I, it was incredible and he and he changed <laughs> it back after after like 25 minutes because like they got demolished by Schalke but I remember that that Bender Bender and Kale like one of them played at, at in the back three like and one played in center midfield so. It was interesting and it went like so wrong and it went so wrong and like uh, club never looked back and from then on he plays like his four three threes and his four two three ones like look at Liverpool. Yeah, this is this is uh, maybe maybe the one uh, game that really proves your point that this is right now not the time to gamble. No, it's not. Like especially what 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 is what is uh, Favre supposed to do? Like letting now play Sagadu as a left wing back or something. That would be interesting. Um, or or like Weigel is now playing right back or so. Um, like there or Thomas Delaney is playing in goal. I I want to see no Axelovitz uh, is injured. Uh, pity. Um, but still, yeah. Um, I I want to see Paco Alcaza playing on the right side. That would be something. Well, you know, um. I mean, there are Yeah, well, you never know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, uh, Favre listened to me and put uh, Marius Wolf as right back, and uh, at, at least for for a temporary moment. I, I, I'm still not entirely sure if that's um, a good idea in a, in a really long term, but um, you know, you never, you, you never know. Um, so before we move on, a couple of words on uh, Christian Pulisic, who uh, finally uh, made an impact off the bench. Um, I think finally. The, uh, the the assist was a little bit inadvertent, nevertheless uh, quite important. And then, of course, a very well-taken goal in stoppage time. And considering that uh, goal difference is coming into play, I think not uh, unimportant. So um, if you have any... Uh, Comment on uh, Captain America. You are welcome. Finally, yeah. made an impact. It's been years. It feels like it, at least. Uh, yeah, what, what, what I'm supposed to say about uh, Christian Pulisic? I mean, he. Sorry about that, but he pretty much sucked for months. Like really, he didn't do anything. Like he, he was. He, he's he's not a tripler. Saint Chain Sancho is. He's not the like pass or more guts is he's not the high speed uh impact player marco rice is he's not the goal scorer paco alcazar is 
he's just Christian Pulisic and he played great last season. He doesn't do well this season and like it's great to have him coming from the bench and do something because he's he's obviously he's very talented i mean there's no doubt no doubt about that but um i don't know it's just um like that the marriage can we call it marriage i mean christian pulisic is very young still that the marriage between dortmund and pulisic is ending that way it's 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 interesting it's like ending ending like a lot of marriages actually it's like pretty much cold or like like more cold than warm. Um, well, that's how marriages usually end. That's what I just said. Just <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for repeating the joke, you numb. Um, yeah. uh, no, but it's just it's just you know. I mean, yeah. Hopefully, you know, he there are still a couple of matches left. Hopefully, you make an impact in a few of them at least, uh, because uh, playing with um, Sancho on the right side and then on the left, uh, either um, Larson or Guerrero, it would be nice to have a fourth winger who is making an impact. I mean, otherwise we should have kept Schuller. And I I don't think I just said it, but yeah, um, no, wow. yeah, it's 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 pretty, it's yeah. I mean, Pulisic, I'm not gonna edit this out, you know. Just, just, you no, 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 no. Just now. keep just keep all of it. Um, just you know, you, you see how, how much how how much Pulisic sucked for months that I had to say something positive about Andre Schuller. <laughs> it's so bad. No, um, oh, we're, just, we're, we're off the rails and I haven't even talked about Hertha. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think we just uh, lost a uh, thousand uh, listeners from the United States. Yeah, um, may maybe. Pr But uh, in the meantime, <laughs> I, I'm... Uh, I, it's just all, all banned, of course. I, I, I researched in, in which uh, season uh, Jurgen Klopp really uh, flopped the derby and uh, that was in 2012. And you were right, it was uh, Bender who played the... Uh, Right back in the in the back three, yeah. um, or right center half, or whatever you, you yes, want to yes, call yes. it, and uh, Sebastian Kiel as a lone midfielder, lone defensive midfielder ahead of that, and then it was it, it was a three one four two, and then the the four the row of four players was Großkreuz, Leitner, Perisic, and Pischek, and up front yes, uh, it was Lewandowski. Yes, it's what Großkreuz at left back, yeah, at left wing back, yeah, yeah, left wing wing back, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's just downright hilarious be, 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 because uh, Schmelzer was injured and I think uh, uh, Oli Kirsch was uh, not Oli Kirsch uh, Chris Löwe he was already there but, but I think that he, uh, it was expected he, that he would play but well, uh, the club didn't trust uh, Löwe enough and so he didn't play exactly yeah, yeah. and this is uh, what, what cost him uh, basically um, of course But what what really cost him is leaving Oliver Kirch on the bench. This is uh, not how you win a derby. No, no. Um, any, uh, anyway, no, let's. I let's mean, Oli Kirch, Kirch and Milos Jojic once uh, dominated Real Madrid, all right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Together with Manuel Friedrich. Let's not. No, no, no. It's, it's Jojic and Kirch. They dominated Madrid, all right? <laughs> They dominated Madrid. That's what we really books. Hmm? I said Manuel Friedrich also had a really good game in that game. He had a good game, but. but Madrid was dominated by Jojic and Kirsch. All right. All right. Shall we move on then? Sure. Uh, did we actually uh, talk about the... Sh oh, yeah, we talked about the Stuttgart match. Yes. Let's talk about the next match. Yes. That is a way to Berlin Saturday night game. And um, people have requested of me to be more positive. but About Hertha? About, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in general about Dortmund, but when it comes to Dortmund playing away to Hertha Berlin, I just cannot muster any positivity. This is just, uh, 
Hertha is a black hole and Dortmund always fall into it and get sucked uh, into another dimension where they always lose and take the L no matter what the circumstances. They always manage to not play well against Hertha Berlin and I just don't see how this will change this time um, because Hertha will play their low defensive block make things ugly, set up their pressing traps and don't will walk right in it and then have a dumb free kick 30 yards out and Hertha will score eight set piece goals. So um yeah What? this is this is this is how it's going to go. Dortmund will lose by like 10 goals against a shit Hertha team like uh, every year. Um I don't I don't know, but um it's always a scrappy game and it's never fun and I'm always glad when it's over. I think uh, the the reverse fixture was a little bit unlucky. Dortmund drew two to two um, after Dortmund basically had a million chances to make it three to one, and then in stoppage time or, or close to it, Zagadou gave away a penalty. So yeah, that was uh, very frustrating for Dortmund because they were clearly the better team. Um, I'm not so sure about this time because. Um, Hertha will uh, probably analyze very well how uh, other teams have stifled Dortmund in, in recent weeks. And uh, Salomon Kalou has already announced, I think, on Bundesliga.com that he likes playing against Dortmund because he always scored. I mean, he got the break in the reverse fixture. Um, so, yeah. I'm really not positive about anything when it comes to Hertha Berlin. I don't, I don't even like the club, to be honest. Any, any team that has a running track... Uh, around their pitch sucks. Um, that's, oh that's man, you're such a millennial. Yes. yes, I am. But uh, I also don't like Nuremberg, for example. So, um, and Hertha always yeah, play sort of dirty. So, and they're not really relevant, which they should be probably as a capital team. But we all know the history. Don't have to go through it again. Why they aren't anyway. And they have a weird uh, love-hate relationship with Schalke, I think, where the, they hate Schalke, but Schalke doesn't hate them back because they're not relevant enough. It's really weird. So, um, yeah, overall, there's just not a lot of positive things to say about Hertha. Maybe I'll change my mind when they finally build a new stadium, which doesn't have a stupid running track. But until then, I will hate them with a passion. And, uh, yeah, I think to almost everyone else except the Hertha fans, they're just indifferent, but... Not for me. So, um, yeah, this is going to be another shitty game where I'm really not looking forward to. So, Constantine, the onus is entirely on you to shed a light of positivity on Borussia Dortmund's chances to win away to Hertha Berlin. Good luck. Uh, why, it's, why it's my job to do that? Well, I can't. So, if, if, if you But why can, it's my job? You, you, you said all the things I wanted to say. Why am I still here? <laughs> I don't know. You can. You are a shitty uh, host. Go home. I'm sorry. Um. So yeah. Um. Hertha obviously. No, but lost. Yes. I mean, you you all said it. I mean, they will play a low block. They will you know just wait for their counter attacking chances. They might play Andre Duda at at the number 10 May not do it and play free holding midfielders and then just wait and pray that Solomon Kalu will hit the counter attack. 
And that's what, what's going to happen, especially with Axel Witzel out, because he has a minor tear or has a tear in his abductors, which which brings up the question why a human being need, needs abductors. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's something for, for the for the medicine podcast. Um, All right. For the, for the human anatomy podcast. I don't know. But still, like the, now Dortmund will play with Delaney at, at, at Holy Midfield. Or if, oh, God. Or... If, Yes, with the lady at holding midfield because we could, because the club sold Sebastian Roder. Why did they sell uh, sell Sebastian Roder? I mean, that's like it was a crucial mistake. No, uh, seriously. <laughs> um, but still, yeah, they will play with uh, Delaney, and then he will just you know get steamrolled by Solomon Kalu, which will happen obviously, and Kalu will score, and Dortmund will be sad because then there's a three point gap between Dortmund and Bayern, and uh, the world sucks and everything sucks and. Yes. Why am I still here? What's going on? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, why Why are we even talking about Teta? But yeah, I very much assume that Teta will uh, apply the same strategy that uh, almost got them a scoreless draw away to the Allianz Arena. Um, that was uh, uh, 5-3-2 or, or, or something of, of that matter with, with uh, Stark, Lustenberg and Rekic as a back three and then the Mittelstädt and Lazaro as a Fullbacks or, or wingbacks, however, and then Grujic, Meyer, and Duda in midfield. And up top, you have uh, the pace merchant, merchants uh, of Zelke and Kalu. This is how I assume they will set up again because it worked quite well for them in, in, the, in the first leg. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how how else they would play. And I feel like Rune Jarstein will once again look like a world class goalkeeper because that's just what Dortmund do currently. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad uh, you are already out of uh, positive things to say. But um, before uh, we we move on, um, Bill Belichick burner account. <laughs> I don't even know if that's last or not. But he asked on Twitter with uh, Witzel out. <laughs> with Witzel out, does Weigel slot right in for him? Do we see the hoot next to him or back pass master Delaney? So what do you think Favre will do without King Witzel? In midfield, obviously he he played the yellow at Holy Midfield. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, um, because Delaney played pretty bad uh, the pa his past few matches, the, uh, the, the the previous matches he had. I mean, maybe, 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 but it's just maybe. Uh, Favre decides to play Weigel as Holy Midfielder. And Do you think that can work out with Weigel? As a six, and then Royce and Götze as uh, eight and ten. Ooh, that's a wet dream of like uh, passing football fanatics. Um, I mean, yeah, but will Hatter actually allow that passing football that you're dreaming of? I mean, it's not like I'm dreaming of that. Actually, I'm okay. That's a different story. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at at Berlin. It really depends. It really depends. Maybe Dortmund knows beforehand if uh, Hatta plays with, with a number 10, with Duda at 10, for instance, or if they play with free-holding midfielders. If they play the same system Stuttgart played with free-holding midfielders, then I would I would say Weigel is an option. If they play with a real number 10, especially with Duda, who can be really threatening, um, then I think it's better to... No, it's not better to play Delaney actually, because I said before if, a few minutes ago that like it would be bad to play Delaney. But <laughs> um, 
But you, 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 you can you can still correct yourself if you feel yeah it's no 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 um it's um is there is there still someone the cat's left? out of the bag is there still someone like left give, the hood is give, left <laughs> all right yeah yeah the hood as as the soul holding me fear that would be something uh, <laughs> no be, and, and, and no, there's fun. no there's no way the hood but 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 let's say uh, Fafa goes all you know security um, and he plays Weigel and Delaney. Yeah, that who would, do you drop then? Do you drop yeah, Götze then? You can't drop Götze, but you can't drop Royce. Well, someone needs to drop though. <laughs> what you could do actually, interesting idea I have, I might say, you could, you might play Guerrero and Götze in central midfield. Oh God. Uh, Weigel at holding midfield, Royce on left side, uh, Sancho on the right side, and Paco up front. Okay. Yeah. That Why might not? be something. At, you could use, <laughs> at this, in this instance, you could use Guerrero to support your center midfield, actually. That might work out. That might work out. It might. And you could also switch around. You could play Royce up front, drop Paco, um, and, and play Prun Larsen on the left side. Okay, especially Prun Larsen on the left side is, you know, May, with his speed against uh, Hertha's right side, not that bad of an idea, actually. Um, also, also I, I would like to see Royce on left side. Do you, getting do in you behind. think that, 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 that playing Paco against, against Hertha makes a lot of sense, considering no. they have a very low block? No. I feel... I feel like he will be completely lost in this game. He will be completely lost, and he should he should come on come in or come on for the last thirty minutes or so. But that's it. Yeah, that's maybe the one problem Dortmund have that they don't really have much of an alternative uh, up front, especially with uh, Maximilian Philipp now out injured. Two for I think. Five uh, it, it, did, it didn't make really a difference when um, Maxi no. Philipp wasn't injured. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Um, yeah, but but if Weigel plays a holding midfield. And then Guerrero is like playing a little bit like on the left, the uh, left half space. Götze the right half space. I would actually like to see that. I would like to see Götze and 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 Guerrero together in center midfield. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, there's to, some, yeah, that, 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 to uh, to actually uh, start a couple of uh, combinations here and there. But yes, the, yes, the, yes, the, yes, the yes, issue yes. is always, um, you know, the defensive side. You know, can does Guerrero have the defensive discipline and also? Uh, when when he is in the right space to actually execute the tackle, because sometimes he will just get overrun by uh, or, stronger players. Or or, or, or um, Fafa goes all hipster and, and plays something like let's say uh, Guerrero and and I mean that's just you know fantasy fantasy match right now, but whatever. Uh, he plays Guerrero and Götze and center midfield basically. You know Guerrero left on the left side, uh, Götze on the right, and Royce uh, number ten. And then he, he plays a wide out double, you know, basically a wide out forward formation, which means uh, Larson and Sancho basically playing up front, but really split uh, next to the center halves. And uh, Royce is moving in between. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's basically playing a diamond uh, with two ringers up front. <laughs> yeah. All this after we uh, just said that uh, it would be a massive gamble to change anything significant. So uh, well, well. I mean, we are here on the podcast, and so we can play a fantasy manager all night long. Well, but uh, you know, I 
I do kind of want to wrap it up soon. So Lukos has asked, who has the tougher remainder schedule, a remaining schedule, Dortmund or Bayern? Um, I've uh, done something. I, I took the mathematic approach, which uh, will tell us that uh, the average league position of Dortmund's next nine opponents is ninth and Bayern's is tenth. So Bayern have it a little bit easier. Um, I think the, the easy answer is Dortmund have to play Bayern away. Which is harder than Bayern have to play Dortmund at home. So. You should have you should have uh, done the math on the average points, not the average. Place. But I don't have that much time, Constantine. It's basically the same. Just use a calculator. Yes, but you know, no, they no, are, no, they are no, more, no, they are more no, double but, digits. No, but you just you just failed. All right, fair enough. I failed. Um. Regardlessly, uh, I do think that Bayern have the easier schedule overall, but the last two games for Bayern Munich could still change everything around because uh, they will play against Leipzig and, and Frankfurt and uh, uh -oh. will play against Gladbach and uh, uh, who was the other one? I already forgot. Bremen? Yeah, I think so. Cool. But uh, yeah, I think this is when where where it all comes down to. But as as we've already said, um, the championship dream will actually, as always, end away to Hertha Berlin. So there's no need to look any further than that. And uh, then you have two weeks time in the international break to get mentally prepared for nothingness, and that's all. So um, yeah, on that positive note. Constantine, do you want to tick off a couple of rumor questions and then get the hell out of here? Sure. So, C underscore buyers 5 as transfer rumors. Brand question mark. And uh, when and where do you see Sergio Gomez playing? Uh, Brand would be interesting. They were after him for years. Um, not possible anymore, I guess. Why not? Um, because I think the, the ship has sailed and he, he won't go to Dortmund. I think he will. He might go to Bayern or may go to the Premier League or so. I mean, there's, there's still a chance, but I don't know. I mean, if you pursue someone for years and nothing happens, maybe you should move on and pursue someone else. Just the advice for life. All right. Uh, what was the question? Yeah. Um, Sergio <laughs> Gomez. Uh, Sergio Gomez, um, he is someone, you know, basically a number 10 ish player uh which means like right now in a 4-3-3 for instance uh, with these you know uh half space positions basically he could play the number 10 way or something what royce right now plays you know left left sided number 10 for instance like especially left side is his side uh, as a gomez side um so that's what he could do as a uh, you know as a good mid-range shot um needs a bit more you know upper body strength basically because he's very tiny um but that's something he could do um playing between the lines number eight number ten that's that's he's... i don't know if we'll see much of him to be honest uh, not, not this season. season no no not, not this next season I'm, I'm talking about next season yeah he, he could have he could have had some minutes this season if like Dortmund was up nine points or something. Yeah, I I think he also could have had some minutes in games where uh, Favre put Maximilian Philip on the ten. I still think that having Sergio Gomez there makes more sense than Maximilian Philip. Yeah, yeah um, 
but that's just uh, my my view. And then um, and just the, the, the situation with the op- open you know championship race and like only having Bundesliga matches left, like there's yes. this like there's no chance that yeah now, now he's trying out Sergio Gomez. Like what? No, no, not, unlikely. I, 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 unless like free free attacking players get injured and he has to, but not right now. Steve Berkowitz asks, what needs to happen for Favre to be offered a contract extension? I mean, I don't know if that's like a talking point right now, but I mean, if he does as well as he's doing right now in the next few, you know, next year or so, I mean, why not? And you usually you extend the contract with a coach when things go well. Yes. The, 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 I mean, the, the, I, I don't think... I think it's up to Dortmund. Like, if, if he does well, if he, you know, if he finish one up this season, for instance, and next year the same or so, and he do well in Champions League and so on. I mean, nobody is like expecting to win the championship. Um, then I, I think, would probably wait until the next winter. Yes, yes, yes. But but also, I don't think it's up to Dortmund. It's more like in in this in this case, it's more up to Farfer because he sometimes makes this decision and say, no, I'm 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 done here. I'm going moving on to being the swiss national coach or something i don't know um so who knows, who knows? yeah yeah but so, I, I don't think i don't think it's you know dortmund would extend his contract if, if everything goes well uh, up, up to you know december or january next year yeah the way the way uh, we know uh Zorke and, and Watzke, they usually do that um so um yeah just remain successful i, I guess and last question comes uh, from jason 1983 and he asks what do you think of uh, i guess maximilian eggestein who could he replace I don't. I don't know if he is replacing anyone. I think he's just, you know, in addition to the center midfield because they. We just talked about it. I mean, you got Witzel, all right, holding midfielder. Got Weigel, who's also now used more and more as a center back. You got Delaney, who's doing his thing, which is good and bad at the same time sometimes. Um, and 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 Eggestein would be just an addition, you know, someone who you can build up uh, as a. As a as a center midfielder, maybe it's it's the end for Dahoud. I don't know that. Yeah, maybe it's the end for Dahoud. It, it, it probably is. I I don't think that Dortmund will try to keep Dahoud on. I just don't see after this season why sure, they, yeah, they would do that. Yes, I I, I almost forgot Dahoud actually. Um, he's a, he's a, just, just, just like Favre. Just a non yeah that which which is so surprising because like Dahoud is one of his or was one of his favorite pupils back in uh, you know a few years ago. So interesting. So interesting to see, but maybe Farfer has given up on him. I don't know. Um, so yeah, th- that might be the end for Dahoud. I mean, be- because be- Max Eggestein, you have to know that he started basically his career uh, as a you know under seventeen player. So his career, like when he you know got got uh, his first spot in the, in the or his first um, minutes in spotlight. Uh, on the spotlight, um, he played as a number 10. Like his, his brother is, is, is a center forward, and Max Eggestein played as a number 10 for the under 17, under 19, under 18 team. So now he's moved to the center midfield position, uh, but he's not like uh, Axel Witzel or Thomas Delaney type of player. He's more like a number eight, uh, someone who's, who's somewhat attacking minded but can also uh, contribute to, def- to the defense. Um, so, I mean, he's not replacing like Delaney or so. It's like no, he's, he's he's when he when he's coming in, he's replacing someone like the hood. All right, so I I assume when he comes in, he will be just another squad player. I don't see him to you know breaking into the first team necessarily. No, no, no. no. If I don't know, um, and of course I think built it was 
also link Dortmund to Niklas Stark, the Hertha uh, center back. And I guess uh, for, of course. for Dortmund fans to look at him now this weekend. Um, I personally don't really see it happening. Maybe uh, Ömer Toprak wants to leave and Dortmund are looking for a replacement. This is maybe a scenario where I can see that happening. Um, I don't know. He's not, he's not terrible. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Mm. But uh, what, yeah, I know. Um, setting the bar really high here. But uh, do you think that's a viable, you know, a realistic transfer for Dortmund? Actually, actually, it might be because uh, Ömer Toprak right now is just the number four uh, in in the um, center back ranking. Even like with Weigel number five or so, I don't know. Um, but you know, he's really low in the internal ranking uh, of the center back. So if you want to replace him because you know Tobak leaves or so, and and you you might want to sign someone who's coming to Dortmund, not with the expectation of being a starting eleven player, and who's still like satisfied with his position or in the team. On the other hand, I don't like these type of transfers or, <laughs> uh, because, like, you're you're setting, as you said, the bar really low. And if you need that kind of, uh, that that player, you you signed as you know your bench player basically. I don't know if they will perform that well because, like, I don't like players who are just coming in to be there and like being happy and you know being happy to wear a, a black and yellow jumpsuit. Um, <laughs> Um, so I don't know if that's like what you what you want out of your players. Uh, if like it, on, it only worked with Tony da Silva and uh, maybe uh, Oli Oli Kirch. Yeah, as, as yeah, but that's different. Solutions. I mean, uh, like Niklas Stark is not like thirty three or so. No, uh, he's uh, not at the end of his career. I no, totally agree. No, no, and and, and, and and like let's say Antonio da Silva, like he was a a leader. At, at Mainz, for instance, like and then he he went to Dortmund, like that was completely different. Yeah, he was only signed because he was trying to you know keep himself fit. So entirely yes. different scenario, obviously. But another point is if Dortmund tried to sign these players, um, you know, as as you know to bolster the squad depth, they will still overpay, I think, because you will not get Niklas Stark for yep. just five or six million. You six, will have to pay. 15 or 20 or whatever. Look at the dictionary uh, under uh, or like Rhoda. Yeah, well, or Wolf or Max Maximilian Philipp. I, I still don't think you know the. No, no, but 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 if you if you want to bolster the squad, I mean Rhoda was like someone you know you you had a squad. It was a squad edition. Yeah, or uh, Castro. He, for or that Ca yeah, Castro, uh, Rhoda, um, and a few others. You, they signed like Tolian or so. You know. Yes. Never really works out. Uh, if they say, let's say Toprak leaves and they want to sign another or they have to sign another center back and they see. I mean, they, they just signed Balerdi. And they see, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. But it's, and they see Johan Weigel in center midfield. Um, and you got Sagadu as a, as a young guy. Akanji is the leader in, 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 the, uh, in the back four. Um, Diallo, versatile, can play center back and left back. Um, still, I want Dortmund to sign another potentially create centre-back. Someone like, you know, we talked before the show about uh, Andreas Christensen from Chelsea, former Gladbach player. Someone like him, you know, with the potential to be uh, a reliable 
guy next to a kanji, for instance, or even replacing a kanji if a kanji is injured or something like that. Not someone who's just you know happy to be there and like lo- likes the yellow wall. Of course, he likes our podcast, of course, because it's a great, <laughs> it's a greatest, it's the greatest uh, football club related podcast in the world. Um, obviously obviously but still, proven uh, by this episode alone again Constantine. Yes, I, I think course. that's just just a feast for the listeners again how on, on point or, or we were or something no okay. never um yeah no no I, I agree with everything you just said pretty much so yeah let's let's end it here alright um there will be more time for answering questions next week during the international break so, Constantine, thanks again for coming on. Um, please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on the internet. Just check out my Twitter, cc underscore eckner. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with all of us from the Yellow Wallpot, do it on Twitter as well at Yellow Wallpot. This way you can send us questions the best way. Um, I not that frequently on Facebook because I just don't like the platform. So, uh, Always keep that in mind. Um, and I think it's been down for a couple of days. So anyway, if you do right there uh, at Yellow Wallpot, it is. And then, of course, our uh, ways to subscribe to this podcast is SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes and all other podcatchers, I guess. And yeah, if you want to contribute financially and make this uh, a better podcast, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, that's all for us from this week um, and I deliberately skipped the predictions in case anyone wonders because I feel like when I predict something it's bad luck so Constantine if you want to predict the Hertha game go ahead I will nope. do it alright cool um, anyway I wish everyone a very good weekend and we will be back next week goodbye